Hello there, my name is Steve Munzer and welcome to this last episode in my current season of podcasts about children's books. A couple of months ago, as we were all being urged to keep our distance and limit the spread of COVID-19, I came up with the idea of making a podcast to share my love of children's literature. It's been a pleasure talking with others about it and I've appreciated the opportunity of sharing some of my thoughts and ideas on the subject. I hope you've enjoyed listening. This week, I went to visit Rosie Hedger, who does an amazing job translating books from Norwegian into English. Speaking to Rosie got me thinking about all those great books that started off their lives in another language. Books like The Little Prince, Baba, Pippi Longstocking, Inkheart, Emil and the Detectives, The Neverending Story, Fatty Puffs and Thinifers, and of course, everyone's favourite wooden boy, Pinocchio. If, like me, you've wondered how a translator actually goes about doing what they do, then stay tuned. So, um, yeah, so I thought if we could just start off by talking about how you actually got into translating from Norwegian into English. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure people would love to know how how that came about. It is a bit of a a niche one. I think everyone's always surprised when they hear that you you speak or you read Norwegian. Um, I went to university initially to study French and English literature. So I've always had an interest in books and in languages. But when I got to university and I realised all the different things that you could study, it was like a whole new world opened up. So um, I chose Norwegian as an elective in my first year. And then I decided to pursue that. And through, this was Edinburgh University, because there aren't many universities that do Scandinavian languages. So as part of that course, we studied a lot of literature, as well as history and culture and things like that. So for me, that was great, because it really combined the things that I was interested in, languages and literature. So that's what really kind of ignited the spark in me. And we also did a translation component to our studies. So we got to practice translating, which was a big part of kind of showing me what was possible, what I could be doing. Right, yeah, because I was thinking, did you start with the intention that you would go into translation, or was that just then something that came later on? Did you mm. realise later on that, that, oh yeah, I could use my skills yeah. in Scandinavian languages I to never, I never went in with the intention. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure... I really thought much about translation at all, even though I'm sure I must have come across translated books when I was younger. It just was never something that occurred to me that somebody translated those books. Um, so, so yes, it was never my intention, but it was almost like when I realised, I thought, oh, yeah, this is, this is ideal. This is what I'd love to do. So, so yeah, that's how it happened for me. So with the obvious... Um skill of being able to understand a foreign language, in this case Norwegian. What Mm -hmm. other skills would you do you need then to acquire as a translator to be able to go through that whole process? Uh, I think it depends a lot on what you translate. You have to be quite widely read, particularly in the genre that you want to work in. Um, So if somebody is working maybe not on literature but on marketing texts for instance, they need to be very aware of what's going on in that kind of field. Um, and certainly if I think about myself doing books, translating literature, there are many books that I wouldn't feel that comfortable translating because I don't read those types of books. So I think being widely read in the genre or genres that you translate is very important. Um, And I think that a lot of people assume that you must be an absolute expert in the language you're translating from. So in my case, Norwegian. 
But there's plenty that I don't know in Norwegian and can find out. I think much more important than that is that you are very comfortable in your your native language or the language that you're translating into. So I, I would imagine it's very difficult the other way to go from English into Norwegian if you had to translate. Have you ever tried that, going the other way? Uh, only when I was studying at university. And certainly that was probably when I was at my my best ability to be able to do that because I just lived in Norway and I was surrounded by it a lot more. But I don't work that way, but I do know plenty of people who do work that way um, and are great translators. So it's it's certainly not a barrier. Um, but yes, speaking personally, that's not something that I would feel comfortable doing. Yeah. I wonder if you could talk us through the process of translating. So from receiving the book, the manuscript, mm -hmm. to then getting it to publication, what, what is that process? What, what is, does it entail? Mm. So once you've gone through a whole process of negotiation and contract back and forth and all this kind of stuff, perhaps even pitching a book to a publisher, because that can be how a lot of people get the job when the publisher sends you a manuscript to translate then the sort of translation work itself begins so for me in an ideal world you read it first it seems like an obvious one but actually occasionally people don't some people choose not to they prefer to work with the element of surprise I guess and, and they feel like they're experiencing it fresh for the first time and then personally I work on a, a first draft which is quite quick and anything I come across which is difficult or complex or I know that's going to be troubling, could be play on words, something like that, I'm quite happy to just leave that, leave a, a comment and return to it later. And then, yeah, after I've done my full edit and I'm happy and I've solved all my problems, so sometimes that involves speaking to the author and saying, what's going on here? Sometimes you even in translation, pick out things like um, inconsistencies in the text, so errors that have been missed, like someone's said to be sitting down, but then later you realise they're on the other side of the room, so you can pick these things out and kind of iron a lot of those out. Do you typically get have much contact interaction with the author, you know, at different stages of mm. the process, and are some easier to work with than others? <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> um, I've been really lucky. The I've worked on a lot of full texts, so children's books and full-length novels, and all the authors I've worked with on those have all been really easy and pleasant to work with. Of course, like everyone else, I've had a couple of experiences of things being a little more difficult, but yeah, I've had very good collaboration with the authors I've worked with, so generally what I tend to do is once I've done my kind of my full edits, or perhaps even just proofread of the text, if there are things which I, I just can't get my head around, I will compile them all in a document and then I'll send them to the author. So last time I did um, a table and I would send pictures. I would say, you know, is this, I don't know, is this vehicle you're describing more like this or like this? And I'll send some pictures to the author. Or on one occasion, somebody was describing some kind of yard outside a house and I couldn't quite picture it because properties can be quite different in Norway. So I asked if they could send a photo to me so the author could do that. And then I was able to kind of alter the text so that that made sense so yeah I've had very good collaboration and usually authors are just very happy that their book is going out to to readers elsewhere in the world and mm. also English versions tend to be quite important because if the book is to sell to different territories English is the language that everybody reads so whether it's a German publisher a Russian publisher 
they can read the English book when the English book is published and then they can decide based on an entire book. So English, mm. English versions tend to be very important for them. So they want to get that right. So they're usually very happy to work with you in a cooperative way. So over the time that you've uh, been doing this, are there any particular titles that really stand out as as titles that you've really particularly enjoyed translating, that you've fallen in love with yourself and that Mm. you've been, in a way, sad to to, uh, say goodbye to Mm. when you've finished? There was a YA, like a young adult novel that I worked on quite early on, actually. It was one of the first full-length novels that I translated. It's called Almost Autumn. And that was a really interesting one for me because it was set during the occupation in Norway in World War II and it was looking centered on a Jewish family and for me in spite of the fact that I had studied you know Norwegian history I knew very little about what happened in Norway during the war so for me it was very interesting firstly to learn about that Um, but yeah I think it's just a really well-written story I think for the audience that it's pitched at it's kind of ideal. I think that the author, um, Mariana Kauren, she did a really excellent job, just kind of every single character in the book has their own story going on. And yeah, so that's one that I still think about a lot. And it's one that um, when I was working on it, I took a trip to Norway because I wanted to see the places described. So there were things that were more difficult for me in terms of descriptions of the buildings and things. So I wanted to see where is the staircase in this type of tenement building or what's this gate they keep talking about and things like that so I went to Norway and I kind of looked around and I was walking in the streets where um, there used to be Jewish businesses so now they have memorial plaques in the streets so that was yeah that really brought that story to life right yeah thanks so and when you were young then did you I mean you said at the beginning actually that you did read a lot so mm-hmm. um you read widely as a as, as a youngster I did. and what kind of books were your favorite books growing up yeah I think that I read loads but I do really fondly remember reading Enid Blyton stories you know I just love that these series that you know there was always another book because I think that another adventure. I read things so quickly um that I was always ready to go into the next one. And I reread them so many times. And I loved like the Twins at St. Clair's and Mallory Towers, you know, these boarding school novels. Mm. Um, and then as I got a bit older, anything that had sort of this, uh, a big world, you know, so the Philip Pullman novels, right. they were just perfect. They, I, I read them at the perfect age, I think. Um, things like that so so yes I I read lots and I reread lots and I think that's a kind of comfort thing as well I think when people reread books there's a comfort in that you know what's going to happen so so yes I think that Enid Blyton certainly even though at the time even it was really (laughs) old-fashioned and I was always asking you know my parents what does this word mean or what is this you know they send someone to Coventry and I'm thinking I don't know what that means at all but um but yeah, I think it was really yeah. good for Did me. They have you know, to get so... on a train to go to Coventry. Yeah. <laughs> Where is she going? At school. Um, so yeah, I think you know things like that were really formative in my reading. But at the same time, I'd go to the library and you could take out however many it was, ten books, and I would always find ten books to take out. You know, it was easy for me. Um, so yeah, I just loved that that I could just pick whatever I could see there that I fancied. So. I read lots when I was young. I don't read nearly as much now as I did then. Um, so, yeah, it was really a formative part of my youth. 
And have, here's a question now, have you ever tried writing your own stories? Do you think you would ever consider doing that? And if so, what kind of things might you write about? I haven't. When I was younger, when I was at school, I always enjoyed writing. But even now, I don't feel that pull to kind of, I don't feel like I have a story within me that I need to tell. And I think that's one of the great joys of translating for me is that it's someone, someone else has, has written usually very good story because not much gets picked for translation. So usually what does get picked is, is very good quality. And I get to do the playing with language and I don't need to worry about, you know, the plots and things like that. So for me, it kind of fulfills what I found most enjoyable anyway, even when I was younger. So yes, I don't feel that pull. I can't say that I never will, but certainly, you know, I like reading and I like translating because translating is a very close reading of a text um so yeah i I haven't felt that pull personally yeah okay and finally the last thing i wanted to talk about was Mm. i know that some of your books have gone on to receive awards i wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about which books the borough tribunal um which is kind of like a psychological thriller novel right um not for children that received an english pen award um, Almost Autumn, the novel that I mentioned, that was shortlisted for the Global Literature in Libraries Initiative Prize, and it was an honour title it was chosen as, um, which was really nice to see, especially because it came actually quite a bit after. It was only recently that that was um, given that status, and it's actually been a few years since it was published, so it was nice to see that coming up again. And didn't you have one of your books, um, The Bird Tribunal, was read on Radio 4 Book yes, Bedtime, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And that was really, um, really nice to kind of hear it being read, to hear it come to life in that way. I've had a couple of times where I've maybe heard an audiobook sample of one of the translations I've worked on, or there was another book that I worked on called Zero, which was shortlisted for the Oxford Widenfeld Translation Prize. And as part of the ceremony, they had somebody do a reading of the text. And it was such a rousing reading that he did. It was amazing. It was kind of unbelievable to me that that was a a piece of work that I had had a part in. You know, that obviously the author had played their part and I had done my part with the translation. And then to hear it just brought to life in that way. Those were the English words that you had chosen. Yeah, it was amazing. So, you know, to hear it was such an honour to hear somebody put such effort and into reading this and obviously to have really thought about what we're reading as well you know um Mm. it was like watching a play it was amazing so Mm. so yeah that's always good fun when you hear things whether on the radio an audiobook or in person a reading of a text you've worked on it kind of it's that that missing step almost you can Mm. read it to yourself a hundred times but by the end of the translation process, you, you know every word inside out mm. in a very mechanical way. So, yeah, to kind of have that life injected back into it is amazing when you hear that. Well, thank you very much, because I'm sure people will have really found it interesting to, to hear about the process. It's often a part of the process of producing a book that we don't think too much about, the, mm. the translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we think about the author, the illustrator, but yeah, yeah the translator, that's the person who... <laughs> Who, uh, who who makes it understandable to a much wider audience. So, mm-hmm. uh, so thank you, yeah, for explaining that to us and um, look forward to hearing about more books um, that you have worked on and hope that they receive awards too. Thank you so, very much. Thank, thank you, you very for much. including translation. 
so, there you are, and now you know. Until the next series of Let's Talk Children's Books, I hope you take the opportunity to discover and rediscover some of the many great children's books that are out there. And, perhaps if you pick one up by a foreign author, you'll spare a thought and utter a silent cheer for the translator who brought it to us. Let me finish with a word or two from writer and producer Paul Auster that I think really sums it up. He said, Translators are the shadow heroes of literature, the often forgotten instruments that make it possible for different cultures to talk to one another, who have enabled us to understand that we all, from every part of the world, live in one world. 